Benedict XVI has published his apostolic letter called Porta Fidei, or Door of Faith in English. This document officially calls for the Year of the Faith. For joining us for Porta Fide, this is Valerie Soup, and I'm Father Jeff Kirby. And of course, we're going through the Catechism of the Catholic Church during this year of faith, and we have been taking a few paragraphs at a time. And today, we are going to be looking at numbers 51, 52, and 53 in the Catechism. And Father Kirby, if I could ask you, you want to go ahead and just jump right in and read 51? Sounds good. Here we go. Number 51 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church reads: It pleased God, in His fullness and wisdom, to reveal Himself and to make known the mystery of His will. His will was that all men should have access to the Father through Christ, the Word made flesh, and the Holy Spirit, and thus become sharers in the divine nature. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, first of all, I think the thing that most catches me, this is this whole part as we talk about Numbers 51, 52, 53 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, is the notion of a plan. You know, Valley, I, I know we see in our, in our ministries, yourself, young adults, myself with vocations in particular, as the Christian begins to try to find his or her place in the church and so on. It's oftentimes in our world, people just think they have to make the stuff up. Mm. You know, like people are just bouncing around. They're looking for meaning, purpose. They're looking for, okay, I got to put my life together. I have to come up with this. I have to figure this out. I have to make this work. I have to hold this. And, and, and there's just so much pressure and anxiety. And I think the refreshing thing that we immediately encounter with number 51, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is God has a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, if we could put it in more colloquial language, maybe God would say, hey, relax, chill out. Do you yes. know that, that I've got a plan here? I know for myself as a young adult and also for other young adults, so often I hear people say, oh, yeah, I've got to figure out what to do with my life, especially when people are graduating college. All right, now I've got to figure out what to do with my life or even somebody, you know, at a job if they're not really happy with it and they're trying to make all these, you know, five-year plans, ten-year plans. There's definitely a place for planning and being responsible. However, I think that concept, that idea, like you said, that anxiety that it's all on me, I have to figure it all out. And I have to be honest and say, most of the time when I make plans, they don't turn out the way I thought they would. (laughs) Oftentimes, God has a very different plan than what I had for myself. But it's so important to remember that God has a plan and that we find the greatest freedom when we surrender to that plan. Oh, yeah. Valerie, I think you have definitely hit something there that, that strikes at the core of many of us in, in our contemporary world because, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa surrender? Mm-hmm. You know, like, wait a minute. No, no, freedom means I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And and wait a minute, this number 51 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, wait, God has a plan. Well, wait a minute, does that mean I just don't do anything? I just sit around and, and just wait for God to do something? No, no. As you said, Valerie, that is not what we're saying. It's not what the church tells us, not what the scriptures tell us. No, we certainly, certainly have to make our plans, but always with that sense of surrender. Mm-hmm. As the scriptures tell us, man proposes, God disposes. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. and, uh, and, of course, the late Mother Teresa, uh, blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta, she, of course, always was able to say it in her own unique way. And she's like, you know, go ahead and make your plans and, and let God laugh. You know, so <laughs> yeah. it's true. It's true that well, when we surrender to that as we make our plans, then we do find true freedom. Because true freedom is not, I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. True freedom is the power to do good. And so we make our plans trying to do the best good we can. But sometimes God says, 
you can do more or <laughs> you know you do better here or at this time and God changes up what we uh, what we plan what we propose so definitely I think God does have a plan there any of our listeners who you know there's a lot of hardship right now I think a lot of people are suffering and, and a lot of things going on in our world there's also a lot of great joy and, and, and a lot of things that are just sources of hope and in the midst of all that whether it's hope or sorrow or difficulty or or leisure at this point in, in any of our lives the thing that we can rest assured of God has a plan mm-hmm. and again I say chill out <laughs> you know what I mean so but the catechism's not done with us, Valerie, because number 51 definitely leads to number 52 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And if I could, guys could read it, I think our, our listeners really appreciate it. So number 52 reads, God, who dwells in unapproachable light, wants to communicate his own divine life to the men he freely created in order to adopt them as his sons and his only begotten son. By revealing himself, God wishes to make them capable of responding to him and of knowing him and of loving him far beyond their own natural capacity. Well, I think the amazing thing, if, if I can just jump right in, first of all, that lead in, God who dwells in unapproachable light. Mm-hmm. Light. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, in the midst of so much darkness or possible darkness in our world, like God dwells in unapproachable light. And this God who dwells in this unapproachable light, does that mean that he's unapproachable? Of course not. And, you know, at the end of number 51, I, I kind of passed over value, but I know in our conversations you particularly enjoy that last part there. Of course, number 51, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, borrowing from the letters of St. Peter. Number 52 elaborates this about sharing God's own divine nature. I was wondering if you can comment mm, on that. Yes, um, sharing his divine nature. And then in 52, when it says he wants to communicate his divine life to us, a concept that I was very attracted to, and maybe it was in the early church fathers writing about this, I think of St. Athanasius, who was living in the fourth century, was writing about this. And the famous quote from him is, for he being God, for he was made man that we might be made God. God wants us to be divinized, to share in his divine nature. And I think when I first heard that, it almost seemed a little funny. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Is that is that right? Is that heretical to say that we want to be God? Isn't that prideful or something? But no, it's that he wants to have this perfect communion with us, that he wants us to share in his divine life with him and really enter into that communion of the Holy Trinity of course, I think we've mentioned before in the show that God doesn't need us. And so the only reason he created us was just out of this pure, generous act of love. And so why are we here? Because he loves us. And then what's the purpose of this life is just that, that he wants to give us his divine life and let us share in his divine nature. I am here to become like God. Yes. yes. And the whole point is, the Lord Jesus constantly told us in his public ministry that he had come has come to help make us fit for the kingdom of mm. God, to make us fit, to understand what it means to be the sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. In, in speaking with people in, in my ministry of vocations, but also just in parish visits and, and speaking with the people of God, sometimes I'd ask people, okay, what happens at baptism? And, and people, especially the older generation, they are so quick with their answers, <laughs> like, I got it, I got it. You know, they're so proud. Okay. And uh, they say, well... Baptism, that's when original sins remove. And I'm like, yes, great, you know? And, uh, and I was like, okay, and then what? <laughs> There's nothing. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, um, okay. Right, right. You know, so you want to take to the next point. You say, well, wait a minute. You do understand that in baptism, God the Father 
remove sin in, in Jesus Christ so that, and the point you're making here, Valerie, we can become the adopted children of God. Mm. And then St. Paul will constantly tell us we have to become who we are. Mm. We are the children of God. We're not orphans. We are not the children of this world. We are the children of God. And our entire lives here is to be made fit for the kingdom of God, to understand what it means to live as the children of God, to share his own nature. For us, of course, by adoption, by Jesus Christ, by nature. Also, number 52, we see it reads, by revealing himself, God wishes to make them capable of responding to him, of knowing him, Mm -hmm. and of loving him far beyond their own natural capacity. I know my own discipleship, my own ministry, there's so often times when I am just shocked when I see God's grace working in me. I'm like, you know what, that is just not me. I didn't think I could forgive that person. I didn't think that I could love that deeply. I didn't think that I had that talent or capacity. And we just see the power of God's grace, what it can do within the human soul. Mm. And just to remind you, if you're just tuning in, this is Porta Fide, and I'm Valerie Soup. And I'm Father Jeff Kirby. And we are looking at numbers 51, 52, and 53 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. In this paragraph 52, by revealing himself, God makes us capable of responding to him, loving him, and knowing him far beyond our own natural capacity. That reminds me of just the power of grace. And so often we forget that grace is actually effective and powerful. Let's say when we go to confession, not only are our sins forgiven, but we receive grace, the grace that helps us to live a life of virtue and to be holy. I know for myself, I can catch myself forgetting that and forgetting that this grace has true power and that I don't just have to do it on my own. Absolutely. And we forget that sometimes the word grace is from a Greek word. It just means favor. Mm. And someone can say, well, what does that mean? Okay, God's favor. I have grace. What does that mean? It's, it means that God puts a portion of his own life, his own power, his own love within us. So just that realization that God pours out a portion of himself into us. So we have God's own life within us. And when God dwells within us, then, of course, we know from the scriptures, all things are possible. All things are possible. Virtues can be matured and and persevered in. Vices can be destroyed. Reconciliation is made. And hope is given to humanity. I hope our listeners are enjoying this because there's hope. There is the anchor of hope. There there is the Porta Fide, the door of faith. Of course, what we've named the show after So we have this number 52 that speaks about loving God and knowing him and just going beyond our natural capacity. And we see that in our love for God, but we also see it, of course, in in our love of neighbors, Mm -hmm. of our neighbor. And so that leads us to uh, to number uh, 53. If I could just jump right in, because I I want us to kind of explore this number 53 a little bit of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The divine plan of revelation is realized simultaneously by deeds and words— which are intrinsically bound up with each other and shed light on each other. It involves a specific divine pedagogy. God communicates himself to man gradually. He prepares him to welcome by stages the supernatural revelation that is to culminate in the person and mission of the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. You know, I used to teach high school before I went to seminary, the pedagogy. Mm -hmm. And of course, the catechism is is borrowing that word from St. Paul in his letters, the pedagogy, the teaching style of God. That God's not going to take this humongous plan and just drop it in our lap and say, can I do it? Like, Whoa, <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm, I'm incapacitated. I, I don't know what's going on. That's not God's way at all because he, he's a good teacher, mm-hmm. you know, loving father. He's going to walk us through this. He's going to help us to understand. And I, I'm just always just very moved by that 
practical realism of God our Father. Mm-hmm. When I read that, I think, what a wonderful Father we have, and how how gentle. I think we see God's gentleness and His love for us, and it is almost touching in a way when we, I mean, read back through the Old Testament and we see just with what care He little by little reveals himself in stages. He knows what we can handle. I think when I look at what God is teaching his people and what he's teaching us, and then even in my own personal life, it just seems to be this constant teaching of, I love you. I really do love you. I really do love you. Now, won't you love me? Absolutely. We (laughs) see that in our own discipleship and and simultaneously by the disclosure of God of different covenants in the course of Mm -hmm. human history, which it's going to be our next show, and I, I know our listeners are going to really enjoy that. I know we're going to enjoy that. That's just <laughs> awesome, you know. But as you're saying, we see those covenants played out even in our own lives and that deepening where mm-hmm. it's like, no, God can't love me. And then, it, no, I love you. Okay, okay, well, okay, yes, 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 yes. Well, no, you don't, you don't know the things I've done. or, or No, I love you. And, and there's just this gradual pedagogy of God mm-hmm. where he just takes us step by step by step. You know, I'm always moved. People... Sometimes I say, oh, the Old Testament God always seems so angry and bloodthirsty. It's like, what Old Testament are you reading? <laughs> yeah. you know, like, because I want to take us right to the prophet Hosea as we discuss this, uh, number 53 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And the prophet Hosea gives us this beautiful image of God as this new father mm-hmm. who is teaching Israel, his toddler, how to walk. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the prophet describes how the toddler keeps you know swerving, almost going to fall, then falls and so on. And God is this loving father that has the hands of his young son, Israel, and is teaching him how to walk. Like, oh, my gosh, isn't that just filled with warm fuzzies? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, beyond warm fuzzies to the reality of a God that really does love us and that desires through the course of stages, as we are able, the full revelation of his love. And, of course, we know that all the stages in which we're going to speak about, and the catechism goes into some detail about but they culminate, as we hear uh, in number 53 of the Catechism, in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And there it is. There it is that the fullness of all revelation comes from Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah, how powerful that is. Father, I know that there is a little bit more 53 that the Catechism, <laughs> well, um, you were that. holding out on us. Uh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, and, and I was, because I think our listeners need to know, of course, there's an awesome quote by St. Irenaeus of Leon, who was one of our early fathers, the early 100s. And uh, and I wanted to preface that because you have spent some time in France, actually. So I have. Uh-oh. And will you, did you visit Lyon? I did. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. It's actually in Lyon. Oh, excuse it's- me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you. There is a beautiful basilica on the top of a hill. There's a really big Jesuit seminary there. Um, I actually have a friend who's studying to be a Jesuit priest who is living in Lyon right now, and it's a really beautiful, beautiful city. But also, when you look at Lyon on the map, it's pretty amazing to think that in the 100s, we have a Catholic bishop in France when we look at the Holy Land on the map and where Jesus started and just the ground that the apostles covered and the how quickly the church actually spread. It always just amazes me that we already have France covered. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Some of the early uh, critis- critics of the church uh, said that we were uh, contagious, as if we were some kind of disease, mm-hmm. you know, because, uh, hey, we had a mission. We've got something we want to share. And of course, right. this show is a part of that. We we want to share this good news. But uh, 
Uh, we've left our listeners uh, in suspense for, for, for long enough. Could I ask you to, to read that, that quote there, please? Sure. So St. Irenaeus of Lyon says, The word of God dwelt in man and became the son of man in order to accustom man to perceive God and to accustom God to dwell in man according to the Father's pleasure. And the catechism in stating this quote says that St. Irenaeus repeatedly speaks of this divine pedagogy in his writings using the image of God and man becoming accustomed to one another. I really like that image, I guess, of God becoming accustomed to man and man becoming accustomed to God. Yes, and of course, as soon as I hear that, I immediately think of almost like a romantic relationship yeah. that, you know, when a man and a woman begin to date, they have to become accustomed to one another, mm. you know, and that there's always that little bit of awkwardness at the beginning <laughs> of the relationship, you know. Right. And of course, I, I suspect that Irenaeus is, is probably using that exact image. Of course, later in his writings, we know that mm. he'll do more, do so more explicitly. But I think for, for us, it's that we have to become accustomed to God, but the God would have to be accustomed to us. <laughs> I know. It kind of, you're like, wait a second. Yes, yes. I, I suspect he's definitely probably using some poetic language and, and probably trying to stress the relational in the, in the sense of as we try to become accustomed to him and more familiar with him, that, that he would see that. Because God bless our listeners who are the parents of teenagers because they are just creatures from Mars sometimes. You know, I, have, I have two nephews right now that are, that are teenagers. Amazing. But but you can just see parents in that situation who just want the teenagers to love them. Uh-huh. You know, they're they're helping them, taking care of them, feeding them. You know, like the teenagers are begging for a car to use a car and so on. And parents just love and love and love. And the teenagers just so indifferent. Yeah, yeah. And part of that is, is of course, the it's age. The but uh, but you see that parent feeling that kind of discomfort as the parent has to become accustomed to this part of this young, the young person's life. And I think that maybe that's what Irenaeus is referring to because. Definitely kind of shakes the boat a little bit. Earlier when you made the example of the, you know, romantic relationships and young adult ministry, of course, I observe relationships blossoming, relationships that have grown, relationships that haven't worked out. But you do, you observe this when a guy and a girl start to show interest to one another in one another. There's a little bit of that awkwardness at first as they get to know each other. And then even once they decide, I like this person, I want to get to know them better, we are committing in a dating courtship relationship to get to know one another better. There is still that time of becoming accustomed to one another, those personality differences, that just even being mindful of another person being there, there is that time that you have to kind of take it gradually of getting to know this person and how do you live with them. And so I think of those people who maybe even came to know God at a later age, I'm sure they also went through that of getting to know God, who he is, and then how do I live with him? And that disclosure of themselves to God that then allows God to become more accustomed with them as as they freely choose to disclose parts of their life. Of course, things that God already knows, but that power of that surrender we spoke about earlier in the show uh, before I was a priest and, and just a young adult, I'd be surprised sometimes at, at gatherings where people, you meet someone and within the first 15 minutes of knowing them, they've told you everything about themselves. And at the end, you almost want to say, I'm sorry, what was your name? <laughs> you know, because it's like they've almost revealed too much too fast, yeah. you know, and and there's something that strikes us as odd about that, you know, mm. and sometimes in, in speaking with people in pastoral ministry, I say, you know, be careful because with knowledge comes expectation. Mm. We have to reveal and disclose ourselves, even in our human relationships, 
uh, prudently and over time. And of course, we see that especially emphasized by Saint Irenaeus of Lyon. <laughs> Did I get it right? You know? that, was, that was good. Yeah, what can I say? So uh, by St. Irenaeus, we see that, but also that whole number 53, and and really number 51, 52, 53 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church that discloses that God uses the same pedagogy. Why? Because it's normal. Like, Mm -hmm. why? Because it helps us to understand and to integrate what's being given. It's not too fast. All right. Well, uh, I think, Valerie, I think we need to kind of shake our listeners a little bit. We've promised them number 51, 52, 53. The guy because of the Catholic Church, but um, we gave him a teaser, didn't we, earlier? We did. And I think we have to give them number 54. So, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to just go because this next part is going to be particularly rich. Number 54 of the Catechism reads, God, who creates and conserves all things by his word, provides men with constant evidence of himself in created realities. And furthermore, wishing to open up the way to heavenly salvation, he manifested himself to our first parents from the very beginning. He invited them to intimate communion with himself and clothed them with resplendent grace and justice. We, of course, start the wisdom of the church in taking the whole story of salvation, but also just the beginning of our relationship right to creation, mm-hmm. right to creation. Of course, I love that first part because those of our listeners who've been with us for, for a while now, of course, know that first line summarizes what we've been talking about in previous shows. God who creates and conserves all things by his word provides men with constant evidence of himself and created realities. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. You know, it's been whole shows dedicated to that. You yes. know, part of our, our program here, Porta Fide, number 54, the catechism goes on. And furthermore, wishing to open up the way to heavenly salvation, he manifested himself to our first parents from the very beginning. Mm. Again, God just does not want us in the dark. And even the catechism says he invited them to intimate communion with himself and clothed them with resplendent grace. He clothed them with his own divine life. Powerful, powerful. And I'll tell you, Valerie, if you take the the worldview at the time of the book of Genesis, uh, oftentimes as as Christians and and in the Judeo-Christian tradition, we could take it for granted. But the creation counts of the pagans that surrounded Israel. I mean, humanity was not created good. Creation was not good. Creation was, these creation myths are, are sometimes uh, horrible, perverse. Uh, basically, humanity was scum, and we were the, the play toys of the God, mm. of the gods. And in the midst of all that, boom, there's Genesis. And as, as number 54, the Catechism of the Catholic Church shows us is that God created us good. You know, God wanted a relationship, and God gave us the strength and his own grace to have this relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about friendship with God. And mm-hmm. so first of all, just the realization of what was going on around Israel. Creation myths, pretty dark stuff. That was mm-hmm. the first thing. And yet here we see the, the light of, of truth. And the second thing, maybe the same point, but in a contemporary way, as the Holy Father constantly says, we are not the accidents of evolution. Mm. Now, as Catholics, we are very comfortable with evolution. We see a natural evolution told in the scriptures. We have no problem with that. There's no contradiction between good science and good religion. Amen. But we are not the accidents of evolution. We are children of God who have been made by a loving Father. We have been given souls. We are good. I feel like we could just put the period right there and just end it. But 
I hear this so often that people equate human nature with sinfulness. Like, oh, that's just human nature, that we're all sinners. And I understand where that's coming from because we have this human experience where, unfortunately, sin is a part of our world and we find ourselves falling into sin. However, that is not our human nature. That's not who God created us to be. God created us to be good. And so to be human is to be good, not to be a sinner. And when we look at the perfect example, we have Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. But then looking at Mary, she gives us this example of what it truly means to be a human without sin. I would just encourage our listeners when you hear that or catch yourself thinking that human nature is not to be sinful. Absolutely. And and I'll tell you, Valerie, you said that, and that's just as a major pet peeve of mine as well. When people <laughs> say, well, that's just human nature. It's like, no, that's fallen human nature. Right. And sometimes as, as a priest, but also just as a Christian, I use that language. Oh, that's fallen human nature to make the point that, as you're saying, human nature is not a synonym for sin. Mm-hmm. And by understanding our dignity, our goodness in, in, in God, by being created, by being his children, that we then understand that sin does not define us. We are not the sum total of our sin. Yes. You know, we are the sum total of God's love for us. Mm. And as we begin to understand that, especially in number 54, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, we begin to see this powerful, powerful story, this pedagogy of God as he reveals himself to us in stages. And we want to thank our listeners for joining us for Report of the Day. I'm Father Jeff Kirby. And I'm Valerie Soup. And we again thank you for joining us. Please join us next week as we begin to discuss more of that divine pedagogy, those stages of of God's revelation. I think you're going to really enjoy it. So thank you for being with us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for for your pedagogy, for always being the good teacher, the loving parent. We ask you to pour your spirit into our hearts. Help us to understand all that you desire to teach us and to do what you ask of us with generous hearts. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. This is Father Jeff Kirby. You can reach me at charlestonvocations.com as well as on Facebook, also Charleston Vocations. Hope you visit our website or visit us on Facebook. Thanks. And this is Valerie Soup. You can reach me at the website catholicyoungadultsofsc.com. That's catholicyoungadultsofsc for South Carolina.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. 